Coast slaves are bound for cotton fields, sold in the market down in New Orleans. Scarred old slave owners is doing all right. Here with the women, just around midnight. Hello and welcome to another bonus quarantine episode of the Heart of Markness podcast. I am Mark, and we are going to have some fun today. I have been teasing and promising a Rolling Stones episode for a long time now, and I've had people asking for one, and I was going to do the Boston 72 show where the Stones were arrested. Um, the flight, their, their flight to Boston got diverted from bad weather, I, I assume, and landed in Providence, and Mick and Keith got arrested for getting in an altercation with a photographer. And uh, the mayor of Boston, Kevin White, bailed him out, got him in town quick enough for, well, so that they could play at the Boston Garden. They didn't get on stage till after midnight. Boston was in uh, flames, Roxbury, there was a race riot in Roxbury, and it was a wild night, and the Stones played from about midnight to 2 a.m., and it's a legendary show and a legendary story, but the recording wasn't really that great. It sounded okay when I played it just through my TV. I have my laptop connected to my TV, and I use my TV as a monitor, um, and it sounded okay. And then when I listened to headphones, it sounded exactly as it sounded coming out the shitty TV speakers and just wasn't wasn't up to snuff. Um, so, I scrapped that and grabbed a five-disc 1972 tour soundboard compilation off of the internets. And uh, we're going to play some, seven, still 72, Exile on Main Street, Rolling Stones, Philadelphia. The evening show, they're playing two shows a day there, which is crazy. I believe it is the July 21st, 1972, Philadelphia Freedom. Is it or is it? No, it's the first show, apparently. I told you a big fat lie. First show, July 21st, 1972. At least according to my liner notes. And what was that little blip that we play I played uh at the beginning of the episode? That's Keith reciting the lyrics to Brown Sugar. And I doesn't it doesn't list a source in the notes, but it might be from the movie Cocksucker Blues. I can't remember. I've only seen it once, kind of, like thirty years ago. But in any case, Rolling Stones, 1972, the Exile on Main Street tour. Now, Exile on Main Street is, I think, quite possibly my favorite album of all time. But Mark, you like Led Zeppelin. You know like Led Zeppelin? You like Stones? No, I love Led Zeppelin. I love Led Zeppelin. But as an album... I think I love Exile on Main Street more than any single Led Zeppelin album. By which I mean there isn't a month that goes by, and there hasn't been for the last 30 years, that I haven't listened to part, at least part of Exile on Main Street. And I can't say that with any Zeppelin album. I mean, I don't even really listen to Zeppelin albums anymore. I'm so into the live music. 
I mean, I don't even remember like the running order of uh, shit any of the albums definitively, except for maybe In Through the Outdoor. And for Zeppelin albums that I listen to, the only albums that I listen to from Zeppelin consistently are Physical Graffiti and In Through the Outdoor. Um, the rest of the time I'm listening to live performances because I prefer the live performances of those other songs. Most of the time, to the studio stuff. Not a big deal. It's just a matter of, I mean, I've been listening obsessively, on spectrumly, crazily, to Led Zeppelin for close to 40 years now. And um, I kind of went past the albums into the live stuff and uh, haven't really gone back, I guess. Anyways, you may be saying, Mark, who gives a shit? Why are you telling us this? Ah, because it's my podcast, and I'll do what I want to, say what I want to, say what I want to, you would say too, if it happened to you. All right, Little Richard died. That's an incredibly huge bummer, but I mean, 87 years old, he had a good run. And man, was he important. You should really listen to, I mean, these songs are iconic, and if you're old like me, like 50s, older than that for some of you um you already know it but if you're if you're a youngin in your 20s and 30s and just know the name little richard as like old rock and roll like elvis and chuck berry and the other one um take the time to spend the you know 12 minutes 15 minutes it takes to listen to good golly miss molly and tutti frutti and um keep a knockin what is it, Tutti Frutti? Saint Mary, something, something, said he got the misery, but he got a lot of fun, oh baby. It's incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful music, and it comes 100% from him. And I mean, those 1950s rockers, the very first generations of rockers, did not have much in the way of innovation, aside from the initial innovation. They were the titans. They created this new art form. Actually, Mark, they appropriated the jump blues music from the African-American community. And then, I know, 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 I know. Everything comes from something. Everything comes from something. But that line in the sand, that line of delineation saying, this is rock and roll, comes from Little Richard, Elvis, Chuck Berry, Jerry Lee Lewis, Fats Domino, I don't even know if Fats Domino's in the same league. I mean, he's... Well, I mean, he is in the same league. He has... Man, another one to listen to. Fats Domino. Fats Domino. Oh, my God. So many good songs. I mean, it's kind of... Uh, Little Richard is fairly repetitive. It's the one, four, five blues. Like Chuck Berry, most of the time. One, four, five blues. What about Havana Moon, Mark? That's... A, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. This is not absolutes. This is by and large. But... um. Man, Little Richard, if you listen to, you can go on Spotify and find it, or if not, then YouTube. Little Richard has a song called I Don't Know What You Got, But It's Got Me. It is soul. It is soul. It sends chills. It's, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. And um, I thought Jimi Hendrix was on it, because Jimi Hendrix played with his touring band in uh, like 65, 64, 65. But um, Michael DeBars who uh, sang, is a rock star. He was on Swan Song in a band called Detective. He was also Murdoch in... Um, 
holy shit, MacGyver. That's what it was. He was the, the bad guy in MacGyver. And uh, he's on Twitter. And at one point a couple years ago, he corrected me and said it wasn't Jimi Hendrix on that song. But today, Little Richard's Twitter account, which is sure, certainly not posted by Little Richard because A, he's 87, and B, he's dead, um, posted that same song. I don't know what you got, but it's got me, and said it did have Jimi Hendrix on it. So I don't know. That's not the selling point. The selling point, it is one of the most beautiful, soulful songs in the world with that amazing wail and falsetto. And uh, there's a reason he's a star. There's a reason that he's Little Richard. There's a reason that he's the king of rock and roll. Because he had the personality and the talent and the voice to make it happen. Because before him and after him, there's a big, big difference. So God bless you, little Richard. Rest in peace. Thank you for creating this. If there was no little Richard, there would be no Rolling Stones. If there was no Rolling Stones, there would be no quarantine bonus episode. There'd also be no Led Zeppelin. So there'd be no Heart of Markness. So... Thank you, little Richard. Jesus Christ. Thank you. All right. Let's get back to the Rolling Stones, shall we? Exile on Main Street is, as I said, arguably the best rock and roll album of all time. Definitely one of my favorites. Uh, if Maybe Abbey Road would be my favorite album of all time. But uh, Exile would be a close second, if not the other way around. You know, they, they, they vie for first. And it is down and dirty rock and roll with gospel with soul with blues with acoustic country and it is brilliant and it is down when i mean down and dirty i mean literally dirty rock and roll drugs sex drugs and rock and roll a whole bunch of it was recorded in the basement of keith richard's rented mansion on the french riviera when the Stones had to leave England and become tax exiles because they had a 95% tax on their uh, income there. Fuck that. You're not getting $95 of every hundred. Nope. So they went to France and lived for a while, which uh, at that point, they became kind of darlings of the jet set. Mick much more so became just absorbed. He and Bianca became part of the jet set with the young royal, the, the royals who were young at that time. Um, Princess Stephanie, um, Princess Grace's kids, Princess Stephanie and the other one, and um, just young and super rich and sometimes royal and noble. Um, They taught Keith how to do drugs like the rich people do drugs. You don't do just cocaine. You find a source that has pharmaceutical cocaine and you buy tins of medicinal cocaine, which is a thing from Merck Pharmaceuticals. Same thing with heroin. Get pharmaceutical heroin. And uh, as such, that's the reason he's not dead. Because you can be a functional addict and uh, maintain. And he did. And it definitely took its toll on him and the music because the Stones were not really... I mean, this is the high watermark, in my opinion, of the Rolling Stones. And this is not a controversial opinion. This is the typical arc of the the Stones fanboy. You know, the default is they went from like Beggar's Banquet, Let It Bleed, Get Your Yayas Out, Sticky Fingers, Exile, and then a little bit lower, Below the Peak, Goat's Head Soup. And then it's only rock and roll. I don't like that album hardly at all. 
and then Black and Blue with Ronnie, which I do like, but it's a whole other band and a whole other vibe because it doesn't have Mick Taylor. What makes the Stones great, great, great at this time, aside from the fact that it's peak, peak Keith creativity, and Keith plays guitar the way Otis Redding sings. There is soul in his rhythm. I love it. And then when, like, uh, Sympathy for the Devil, when he has to step up and, and play lead, he plays lead. I mean, Sympathy for the Devil, that guitar lead is not hard. It is dirty. It is simple. It is not great. But it is my favorite guitar solo of all time because it hits me in the soul. So I do love the Rolling Stones, but I love, 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 love a narrow spectrum of them, which is why I'm not a huge Rolling Stones fanboy. Wow, we're 12 and a half minutes into my babbling and we haven't played a fucking song yet. Sorry, guys. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Trying to set the stage here. Anyway, the Stones in 1972 went on their first tour since the uh, Altamont show where uh, a guy was stabbed right in front of the stage and the Hells Angels were uh, tripping balls and smashing heads. And uh, it's a terrible time. it's, It's been called the death of the 60s. And um, that's debatable. But in any case, the Stones are now back on tour. They're not doing Sympathy for the Devil because that dude got stabbed right in front of them during that song. And they got a little creeped out by it. We're like, hey, let's not, you know, tempt fate here. Kind of like Robert uh, was a little leery about doing In My Time of Dying for a while, at least anecdotally. Because, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, stick it to the divine you know, stick the finger to the divine just in case. What if he's real? Don't piss him off. Um, anywho, the Stones 1972 went on tour, and this is when they totally were, for the first time, the greatest rock and roll band in the world, the biggest rock and roll band in the world. Had their own plane, had the, the, the literati traveling with them. They were the darlings of the jet set the uh, Lee Radiswill and basically all the bitches who would be on like Real Housewives now their parents and grandparents that same kind of super rich super educated superficial rich humanity lots of cocaine lots of champagne lots of laughter and banality and uh, Truman Capote and Terry Southern traveled with them and wrote volumes well they were supposed to but they were too fucked up to really produce much and uh, they were the darlings of the press and they were on Dick Cavett and all kinds of things whereas Zeppelin outsold the Stones (laughs) outperformed the Stones had bigger audiences than the Stones and flew under the radar and in fact it was this tour on this year that got Jimmy uh, to say to Peter it's like nobody knows we're fucking doing this Everybody's going, the Stones are on TV. The Stones make the network news. The Stones are on, I mean, everybody in the front page of the fucking New York Times. And we're selling out more than them, and nobody knows who the fuck we are. So it's this tour that also got Zeppelin to hire a PR person, Danny Goldberg, and then start putting those things in the press and start saying, like, hey, Zeppelin's just sold out 58,000 people or whatever in Tampa. That's news. So this is an iconic tour and it's the first big tour that the stones have undertook undertaken under did (laughs) and uh, they had a horn section 
which uh, Stephen Davis and Hammer of the Gods disparaged as being woefully under-rehearsed. They're not. They're great. Stevie Wonder opened for them. It was a high-energy, great show. And you're going to hear it. The sound quality is soundboard. It's uh, a little muffled. It's, it's not like those beautiful Zeppelin soundboards, but it's clear. Some of it has a little bit of issues. There's one song, All Down the Line, has a little bit of like crinkly tape sound that I didn't hear when I listened through the TV last night. But um, I know, I'm still rambling. Midnight rambling. But I got to set the stage, yo. And um, as I listened last night and just lost the entire night listening to the Stones, it's like two in the morning and I'm like, fuck, I got to go to bed. Um, what I noticed was that the Stones, at least at this period of time, to me, they completely enchant and enthrall me as a band, as a whole, as, as the, the t- total, the sum total of all their parts is magnificent and pulls me in. Whereas Zeppelin, yes, the sum total is amazing, but you can zoom in and listen to Jimmy. You can listen to Jonesy. You can listen to Robert. You can listen to Bonzo exclusively and be impressed and entertained. The Stones, at least for me, not so much. You kind of got to listen to The Stones. And they had Mick Taylor playing guitar at this time. And he is an amazing, amazing blues guitar player. Smooth and fluid. And unlike The Stones... He's a pretty, he's a beautiful man. And uh, he never really fit in, it seems, with the Stones. Like Ronnie, when Ronnie Ronnie Wood joined, he jumped right in, and it was like having another Keith in the band. Mick Taylor just kind of stood there, played his guitar, didn't jump around, no histrionics, played beautifully well, played off Keith wonderfully, and uh, elevated, elevated the band, the, the quality of the music put out by the band because he was a true blues blues virtuoso. And you're going to hear that if I ever get around to playing any of these fucking songs. The first of which we're going to play is Love in Vain. Robert Johnson's song. Beautiful song. Robert Johnson's version is beautiful. Rolling Stone's version is beautiful. Any live Rolling Stone's version with Mick Taylor is beautiful. In fact, about 10 years ago, shit... It might have even been 15 years ago at this point. Time passes. Somebody had made a compilation of nothing but Mick Taylor's solos from Love in Vain from every extant live recording, 69 through 73. And it was just like an hour, maybe even more than an hour of just those solos. And it was impressive. It was really cool. I wish I still had that just because it's such a neat little art. You know, it's an oddity to be sure, but uh, labor of love and really illuminating as to the, the quality of Mick Taylor's playing. All right, we're coming up on 20 minutes now, and let's play a goddamn song, shall we? Love in Vain, July 21st, 1972, The Rolling Stones, Philadelphia, and I guess this is the first show. That doesn't seem right. Love in Vain. No, my notes now say second show. All right, my notes now say second show. This is the second show. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Anyways, it's Love in Vain, played by the Rolling Stones at some point in their lives. Enjoy it, my friends. It is beautiful. Listen to the guitars.
Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And even more beautiful because it is just the soundboard recording. There's no overdubs, no fixes, no edits. That's exactly what the people at the show heard, and it was great. Love it. Love it. What I don't love is the fact that it seems like the fan on my laptop has died. Which sucks. Because just running this program and the internet browser with the tabs open for me to read off of is making it exceptionally hot and almost failed. Audacity started giving me some warnings and I looked into it and it's like, oh, why is my laptop so fucking hot? It usually gets that hot when I'm gaming very, very hard. Um, but no, and it's very hot and the fan's not on, so I put a fan behind the vent and it's blowing air into it. Um, probably not a good idea in the long run, but it's keeping things going. So I gotta look into that and see if I can fix it or start the process of saving for a new laptop because it's crucial. Not just for the podcast, but it's <laughs> it's central to my life. All right. So are the Rolling Stones. Love in vain. Beauteous, beauteous, beauteous. Going right into, I think, one of my favorite songs off of Exile on Main Street, All Down the Line. I love it. I love the vibe. I love the rhythm. I love the chugga-chugga to it. I love the horns. I love the, won't you be my little baby for a while? And I love Keith's rhythm playing with those suspended fourths. So much fun to play. So much fun to play. So here we go. All Down the Line, which which is, I believe, the next song right after Love in Vain. They went into All Down the Line. So we're going in sequence, children. So here we go. Rolling Stones, 1972, July 21st, Philly, Delphia, the evening show, all down the line. Here we go.
That one was a little rough on the ears. I think that has to do with um, some of it's the tape, source tape, and I think some of it has to do with heavy EQ and noise reduction after the fact. Um, to me. Who knows? Great song, though. Great song, though. Great band. Charlie playing a million miles an hour. Bill Wyman playing tasty, tasty bass. I miss Bill Wyman in the Stones. And I know he's been gone for 30 years. But um, he was he was integral. You know, I, I miss him. I saw the Stones only once in 89 at Foxborough Stadium. Um, Living Color opened. It was freezing cold. I think it was like October, maybe. And um, it was just enormous. You know, Foxborough, it's a big football stadium. You know, 30,000 people or however many were there. And um, it was cool to see the Stones. It was cool to see Keith and those guys and go, you know, I always have that moment like I had when I was a kid of like, wow, these guys are real. <clears throat> I mean, that's really Keith Richards up there. That's really Mick Jagger. They exist. They're human. And, uh, you know, there wasn't a time to see them before that in the 80s because there, you could see them on the, the tattoo, not the, yeah, the tattoo you tour, 81, 82, um, the, of, the, uh, of the neon tank top and spandex pants and running around the giant stage. Doesn't do it for me. I'm not a big fan of the giant arena shows. I, I like, I like uh, more intimacy, man. Any hoodle doodle, let's carry on, shall we? What are we going to listen to next, Mark? Well, we're going to listen to Open Menu Shift M. Open Menu Shift M, why that means is Disc 5, Track 9. What song is that, Mark? Disc 5, Track Line, why is that? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Says it's Midnight Rambler? doesn't seem right that doesn't seem right for that to be Midnight Rambler folks I don't know what I'm going to play for you right now because I didn't rename the songs when I dropped them in Audacity so through the magic of editing I'm going to disappear you won't no time will pass for you listen to the song find out what the hell I'm going to play and I'll be and we're back it wasn't even like I was gone it is Midnight Rambler I had dropped the silly song in Audacity twice and the song I had queued up is Midnight Rambler, and the other song that I had queued up is Midnight Rambler. So I guess we're listening to Midnight Rambler. Well, you heard about the Boston. Wham! Bam, honey. Oh, it's so good. Wow. Well, enjoy it, folks. It's a rollicking version of Midnight Rambler, that old classic. And we've all been spoiled by listening to the Get Your Yaya's Out version. At least that was my default Midnight Rambler all growing up on the radio. Bow, 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 bow. And that guy in the audience, God damn. Bow, 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 bow. Boop, 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 boop. So good. All right, let's hear it. I'll see you in a few minutes, folks. It's a really good version. Listen close. <laughs>
I'll stick my knife right down in her throat, baby, and it heights. Such a good song. The Stones, at this point in their career, that, that, that 68 to 73 kind of arc, they really captured... They really captured the spirit of the blues. You know, Led Zeppelin did too. Led Zeppelin, in a different way. In a different way on like a different level. But just the down and dirty, dancing in a dirt floor juke joint. You could feel that. And that, that's Keith. That's Keith bringing that. I mean, Charlie definitely contributes with his this frenetic drumming but that that's that dirtiness in a good way that nasty 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 vibe that's all keith and it's rad and i love it all righty sorry guys i was a little bit I, I got a little bit distracted about my uh my laptop not you know overheating and, and things like that so i'm i'm of two minds right now on half of me Actually, 70% of me is enjoying the Rolling Stones on this podcast, and the other 30% of me is like, man, what am I going to do? Do I try and get a new fan? It looks like I can order a new fan. It can't be that hard to replace it. But what if it's not the fan, man? This is an old laptop. It's almost 10 years old. Maybe it's just time to hit, you know, la, 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 la. So apologies for a little bit of a loss of focus, but I hope you're enjoying this kick-ass music. And there's one more song I want to play for you. And this is the last song of the night. I believe it's the encore. And it is uh, the Stones with Stevie Wonder and Stevie's band playing um, a medley kind of uh, mashup of Stevie's song Uptight. And I can't get no satisfaction. And it is rad. And if you don't know the song Uptight, you do. Because once you hear it, you'll be like, oh, I know that song. Uptight. Everything I don't know the words, um, but you'll know it. You'll know it when you hear it. And it is fun, 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 frolicking, partying. This is the band that, I mean, they, they were every bit as, as lecherous and debaucherous as Led Zeppelin became. Um, in fact, they, they even made a movie about it called Cocksucker Blues. And... They had movie cameras laying around that basically anybody could pick up and just film anything at any time. And it is um, infamous because, I mean, I guess there's junkies shooting up and uh, some grim, creepy-ass shit. There's women being objectified and uh, one is picked up and naked on a plane in the middle aisle. And as I, I recall her, she's played like a harmonica. <laughs> so it's definitely sex, drugs and rock and roll, which when I was younger was like, yes, that is a life I want to have. And now I'm like, yeah, that's really badass, but it's also deeply, deeply sad <laughs> in a way. I mean, a little bit of, a little bit of lechery and debauchery is nice, but uh, it's like cilantro, too much cilantro. What? Although some people love it. Alrighty. Now, let's finish up the Rolling Stones. Yeah, Rolling Stones and Steve Winwood. Steve Winwood. Holy shit. Not 
Stevie Wonder at, at his peak. Stevie Wonder was hitting his stride. I mean, Stevie Wonder was famous from like he was time he was like eleven, um, and just amazing multi instrumentalist and a god in his own right. So enjoy this. It is fun. It is rollicking. It is alive. That's what I guess. That's that's the biggest um, compliment I can pay it. It is alive in the way that the best Zeppelin, actually not even the best Zeppelin, everything but the worst Zeppelin, is alive. This is alive. It has soul. It has spirit. It touches something in you if you're open to it and receptive in it and, you know, have the right receptors in you. And I do because this just makes me happy, legitimately happy. And I hope it makes you happy, too. I'm happy. Hope you're happy, too. Alrighty. Stevie Wonder. And the Rolling Stones, uptight, I can't get no satisfaction. Heart of Markness. All right, let's go.
Rollicking, frolicking, chaotic. Man, I wish they had a better control over Stevie Wonder's mic, because he sang half the lyrics and you couldn't really hear it. Um, I mean, you could hear the beginning, but who knows, maybe he was just bopping around the stage and was singing in another mic and they couldn't find it in time. I don't know. The horns, yeah, a little out of tune, a little bit, a little bit, but again, that's rock and roll. Fast, furious, everybody's high, everybody's fucked up, including the sound crew, including the roadies. And they managed to pull it off. And it was also the early 70s, so it was expected because the audience was high, too. And they were happy. Man, when they went into I Can't Get No Satisfaction and the audience goes bonkers. So good. Yes, the Rolling Stones. And as I said, I find more value in listening to them as a whole, not as a sum of the parts. Well, which is the same thing, but you know what I mean. All mixed together instead of individually. The product, the Rolling Stones, is top-notch for me. And, um, man, I love it. Now, this show, or, well, actually, all the shows, this set has uh, five, six discs, I think. Five or six discs with a bunch of shows. Is this the best one out of all of them? I don't know. I listened to a couple. This is the one I like the most. There's probably better ones on there. There's Texas, there's Philly, there's uh, New York City, I believe. Good stuff. And you will be able to grab it from my website at heartofmarkness.com because I've already uploaded it to my mega server and uh, it's good to go. It's huge. It's like 2.72 gigabytes, which is uh, four, I don't know, it's a bunch of disks. Of course, but it's worth it. If you want it, you can grab it. You could have all of these. Listen to them to your heart's content. And, uh, yeah, my gift to you. Which brings me to follow me on social media, Heart of Markness, on Twitter, at Heart of Markness, technically, but, you know. Heart of Markness Facebook group. It gets better and better every week. There's more and more people contributing and more and more people joining. And it is now its own little pop, pop, pop in community. And you are welcome to join it. You just got to hit the button saying join. And I will say, okay. And I am, like I said, heartofmarkness.com. I have a website where I post the podcasts, other stuff, not just the podcast hit now. And again, I put things up there of interest, but, um, any show that I highlight that's relevant, sometimes I do compilation shows and there you're not going to get that. But like uh, any show that I feature, you'll be able to download the entire thing, not just the songs I play, but the entire recording for free on hardermarkness.com. And that is thanks to the patronage of my patrons on Patreon. And it is legit because of this stupid pandemic. I am working half time, which covers the bills and very, very, very little else. So these guys are the titans upon whose shoulders rests the podcast. And they are Avi, Bill, the Rover, Danielle, David, other David, Mark, Mimo, Peter, and Tracy. Thank you, 
thank you, thank you guys. You pay for the hosting on Mega for these shows that you can download for free. You pay for the hosting on the website so I can post the link to the shows on Mega for free. You help pay for the SoundCloud hosting so I can host the website. And you may help pay for a new laptop if I or a new computer. I don't know if I'll get a laptop again. I don't really need a laptop. Um, but I think I'm going to just... It looks like it's easy enough to just buy another fan. And as long as it's not something horrible like a slow cascading failure of the motherboard, I should just be able to open it up, clean it out, and drop another fan in there and uh, keep going. But in any case, can't help that it's 85 degrees up here. It was hot today, and my room in this old house, I, uh, I'm on the second floor of an old house. Beautiful, beautiful hardwood floors. I mean, love it. That leaded glass that has a little bit of waviness and distortion. It's the best. Beautiful view. Wouldn't change it for the world, except for the fucking heat. It wasn't. It was in the 80s today here in Portland, Oregon, and um, it heats the roof because it's an old house, like plaster and lath, old. And um, basically, the space between my ceiling and the roof just gets baked because the roof is black. It heats up, and that space just becomes a fucking oven that heats my ceiling and makes my entire room crazy hot. And even though I have four, count them, four windows wide open with ventilation and everything, it's still hot as balls in here. And I cannot, this is my fifth year here, I, I have not been able to solve this problem satisfactorily. And I do have an AC unit. It is one of those portable ones on wheels that you stick the hose in the window. So that's not the best thing anyway. But that is just for the size of my room because it's just a big open space up here. Um, it doesn't have enough BTUs to cool it. It basically has enough at maximum to just keep my room in stasis at like 80 degrees. Um, anyways, that's neither here nor there. You don't need to hear my troubles. I'm just babbling out loud. Not the end of the world. It's hot. It's hot everywhere except where it's snowing. Okay. Thank you very much. If you want to be a patron and support this podcast, and as I explained, it is literally supporting myself and this podcast and help making it happen for real real like a legitimate effect upon my life and happiness and ability to do cool to do cool shit like this podcast then go to patreon slash heart of markness and uh join up i will read your name every week on every podcast unless i forget which has only happened once i think and if you do $10 a month or more, you get an extra podcast that nobody else gets, only the patrons. And why is that? Because you'll be better than them. So you want to be better than other people? Become a patron. Become my patron. And I will produce this wonderful content for you. And if you give me a suggestion and I like it, maybe I'll even do a podcast for you. Who knows? So thank you, everybody. Wash your hands, take care of each other, and I will see you maybe for another quarantine podcast before the next official one comes out. Um, possibly. It's not going to be tomorrow because I won't be here tomorrow. I'm going to see my daughter. Um, but if I don't give another bonus one before next Thursday, then you'll get another Heart of Markness official one and get a cool Led Zeppelin show. So win-win. Thank you. 
Wash your hands. Be nice. See you later.